0: Today we're starting a brand new series called Intersections. In this series, we will explore where and when the supernatural spirit world intersected with the world of the Bible, where something supernatural happened. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. From Genesis to Revelation, we'll uncover more than 200 specific occurrences where something supernatural happened. And these 200 occurrences don't include the hundreds of times the Lord God spoke to His prophets and leaders, or the dozens of supernatural occurrences found within the visions of the Bible, visions that were experienced by such people as the patriarch Jacob, the prophets Daniel and Ezekiel the Apostle John in the New Testament book of Revelation, among others. Visions are their own separate category when it comes to the supernatural. Imagine that. On the pages of Scripture, there are more than 200 occurrences of the supernatural spirit world intersecting with the world of the Bible with something supernatural happening. In this series, we will embark on a journey starting in Genesis and going all the way to Revelation. Along this journey, we will stop and explore these supernatural events. Before going any further, I should probably explain the phrase supernatural spirit world and what the scope of it is. Supernatural refers to anything that goes beyond the visible, observable universe, anything that appears to transcend or exceed the laws of nature. The word spirit refers to a supernatural being that transcends the visible world in which we live. Now, spirits do not have flesh and blood as we do. They are invisible. They live in another dimension of God's creation. Look at it this way. We refer to our world as being three-dimensional. With the supernatural spirits, they appear to live in a fourth dimension one that exists all around us, but one that we cannot see. The only time the people of the Bible saw these spirits is when they showed up in their three-dimensional world. In other words, when they intersected the world of the Bible. Now, that's why the title of this series is called Intersections. There are three categories of spirits in the Bible. Originally, there were only two. First, there is God himself, who revealed himself on the opening pages of the Bible. In the very first verse of the Bible, God revealed himself with the name Elohim, a plural word for God that conveys strength and power. Secondly, there were the created angels. Now, some of these angels, approximately one-third of them, were under the leadership of Satan. They abandoned their positions of authority and surrendered their place in God's heaven. When they did, God cast them out of heaven and down to the earth, and he sentenced them to an eternity apart from God. The supernatural spirits that show up in the world of the Bible are, first and foremost, the Lord God himself, secondly, the holy angels, And the fewest times, Satan and his evil band of demons. Sometimes people, even Christians, express the idea that God seems so distant from what's going on in our world. They often ask questions like, why does God allow evil to exist? Why does God allow illness and tragedy and natural disasters? Doesn't he care? One of the key takeaways that I hope you have from this podcast series is that God cares deeply about His people and His creation. From what we're going to observe on our journey through the Bible is that God showed up often and in a big way because He cared and because He loved His people. And if God showed up for His people in the Bible doesn't that give us the comfort and assurance that he'll show up in our lives too? I think you'll have some other takeaways, but this one, at least for me, is one of the biggest. Okay, I think we're ready to get started on our journey. We start in the beginning. That's the way the Bible begins. Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning. This suggests that before the beginning... There was only God and only eternity. But at a singular spot in eternity, God decided to create something for Himself, the heavens and the earth, and everything He put on the earth. Everything God created, He created for Himself and for His glory. God's creating activity occurred over six days. Each day of creation is evidence of God's supernatural power and His unfathomable wisdom. Day 1. God created the heavens, the vast universe, and specifically planet Earth, in its initial state. Only God knows why, but He didn't create a finished product on day one. He simply assembled all of the building materials for His creation—things like matter, space, energy, and time. At the end of day one, the universe was shapeless and empty of anything living. The earth was dark, and a fluid mass covered everything. So, on day one, God also created light and separated the darkness from the light, resulting in a light period and a dark period for each day. Now, God regulated this through the rotation of the earth on its axis, giving us day and night. Note also that God created the substance of light before He ever created the source of light as we know it. The substance of light is energy in the form of particles or waves or both. Day 2. God addressed the formlessness or shapelessness of the world. He separated the water and created an expanse which we know as the sky. When he separated the water, some was above the expanse and the rest was below it on the earth. Bible scholars suggest that the water above the sky was like a dome, a canopy of water vapor, which would exist until the worldwide flood in Noah's day. Day 3 On day 2, God separated the waters vertically. On day 3, he separated the waters on the earth horizontally. He gathered the waters into certain places, exposing dry ground in other places. He called the water areas seas and the ground areas land. On the land, God then created vegetation, plants, and trees. Day 4 God created the light bearers, the sun, the moon, and the stars. First, these light bearers were to separate the light from the darkness on a daily basis. Second, to serve as signs marking the seasons of the year. And third, they were to provide light on the earth. Day 5 God created the fish and other creatures that would live in the water. He also created the birds that would fly in the sky. Day 6, Part 1 God created the creatures that would live on the land, livestock and wild animals. Day 6, Part 2 God created mankind in His own image, male and female. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Every day of creation was a demonstration of God's supernatural power and His amazing wisdom. God's perfect creation, however, didn't last. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan showed up in the Garden of Eden as a serpent to tempt Adam and Eve. Here we have another intersection of the spirit world with the world of the Bible. Now, Satan was successful uh, in his temptation. When God confronted both Satan and the disobedient couple, he spoke a curse upon Satan and a promise to Adam and Eve a promise to rescue them and to restore the relationship. That they had had with their Creator. Now, everything else in the Bible focuses on this rescue plan, which was accomplished by the life, death, and resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. The next time the supernatural spirit world intersected with the world of the Bible was during the life of Enoch. Enoch is mentioned in a genealogy in Genesis chapter 5. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. What does that mean? God took him away. The answer to that is found in the book of Hebrews. By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch was one of two Old Testament people who didn't have to experience physical death. We'll meet the other person in a future episode. Next on our journey, we meet Noah, a man with whom God found favor. Noah lived ten generations after Adam and Eve. By this time, the world had become so corrupt and filled with violence that God decided to destroy it, all except for faithful Noah and his family. The destruction would come as the result of a worldwide flood. Yet, God gave a 120-year grace period to the violent, unbelieving world that they might repent. God then instructed Noah to build an ark, which he did during that time of grace. When the 120 years had expired, God directed Noah to gather select animals into the ark along with his family. In an extraordinary supernatural event, the rains came and flooded the earth, water both from the canopy above the sky and the waters from deep inside the earth. Did you know that from the day Noah entered the ark until the day he exited it, Noah and his family spent over a year in the ark? Once Noah could leave the ark to stand on dry land, God promised Noah that he would never again destroy all living creatures through a flood. He also promised that as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. And God's final directive to Noah and his sons was that they were to increase in number and fill the whole earth. In the succeeding generations, the world once again became populated. Although Noah's descendants increased in number, they were reluctant to fill the whole earth, something the Lord God wanted them to do. They started spreading eastward, but stopped at the plain of Shinar. The plain of Shinar was located in what would become northern Babylon, west of the Tigris River. Today, it would be the country of Iraq. Instead of spreading to the ends of the earth, they desired to stay together and build a great name for themselves. They built a city and a huge tower to themselves, to their own glory, and for their own reputation. God was not pleased, so he intervened. He was not about to let these people focus on their own glory. So he once again stepped into the world of the Bible and did something supernatural. The Lord God said, Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Because the people's desire to be great and because they shared one language, God supernaturally, miraculously confused their language. The place became known as Babel, a word referring to the confusion of languages. It's similar to our word Babel. Because the people could now not understand each other, they did scatter to the ends of the earth. Secular historians explain the more than 5,000 languages in the world today as the result of mankind's ingenuity. Bible readers know the real reason, the sinful, prideful human heart and the Lord God's response of judgment upon it. Beginning with Genesis chapter 12, we come to the time of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In the next few chapters, there are numerous intersections of the spirit world with the world of the patriarchs. Genesis chapter 12 begins with the Lord God coming to Abram. God would later change his name to Abraham. He came to Abram with a promise that he would become a great nation, that he would be a blessing to many and that all peoples on the earth would be blessed through his descendants, specifically the promised Messiah, the promised Christ. The Lord God would repeat this promise multiple times to Abram. God also showed Abram the land of Canaan and promised that his descendants would inherit that land. While living in the southern part of Canaan, a severe famine caused Abram and his wife Sarai, later to be given the name Sarah, to flee for a while to Egypt. It was in Egypt that we encounter the next intersection. Before arriving in Egypt, Abram told Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Abram was right about getting treated well by the Egyptians, but I'm not sure he anticipated Sarai being taken to the harem in Pharaoh's palace. Now what? What in the world is Abram going to do to get his wife back? Well, the Lord God stepped into the situation and inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of what had happened to Sarai. When Pharaoh learned that Sarai was Abram's wife, he summoned Abram and said to him, What are you doing to me, man? Why did you say she was your sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now take your wife and get out of here. It was the Lord God who stepped in to reverse what Abram had done. Do you know what we call that? It's called the grace of God. Our next intersection involving Abraham and Sarah and that original promise of God. Recall the Lord God's promise to Abraham that he would have many descendants. Well, the Lord comes to Abraham with a name change for Sarai, and she would now have the name Sarah. And with the name change came the promise that she would give birth to a son even at the age of 90. Shortly after this encounter, the Lord God and two of his angels showed up at Abraham's encampment near the great trees of Mamre, near the town of Hebron in southern Canaan. Abraham invited the three visitors to stay. He told Sarah, bake some bread, and he went and selected out of his herds a young calf. Abraham gave it to a servant and told him to prepare it. When it was prepared, Abraham sat down with the three visitors and ate the meal together. Have you ever really thought about what happened on this day? Picture it. The Lord God himself and two of his angels, all three spirits without flesh and blood, showed up in human form and shared a meal of bread and veal with Abraham. Just ponder that for a moment. Supernatural spirits showing up in Abraham's world as though they were human visitors. Then the Lord God said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Abraham's 90-year-old wife Sarah was going to have a baby. She was unable to conceive a child her entire life, but now that she's 90, she's going to give birth to a son. What a supernatural event. When it was time for the three visitors to leave, Abraham walked with them for a while. They were headed toward the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord God told Abraham that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was grievous, that he was going to bring judgment on those cities. The Lord shared this with Abraham for two reasons. Whenever the Lord God invaded human history to bring judgment on a person or a group of people, it's because God cannot tolerate unbelief. God punishes those who reject him, who live a life of violence and hatred. Abraham needed to understand that. Secondly, this gave Abraham the opportunity to plead for the believers who were still living in those cities, one of whom was Lot and his family. The two angels continued on to the city of Sodom, but the Lord God stayed with Abraham. Abraham asked the Lord, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham lowered the number repeatedly. What if there is 45, 40, 30, 20? And finally, what if there are only 10 righteous found there? The Lord answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Meanwhile, when the two angels arrived in Sodom, Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. He invited the two strangers to spend the night at his house. After Lot persisted, the two strangers agreed. But it didn't take long before the men of the city came pounding on Lot's door and wanted Lot to send his two visitors outside, so that they could have sex with the men. Long story short, the men of the city rushed toward the door to break it down. The two angels opened the door, grabbed Lot, and pulled him back inside, and then shut the door. Then another supernatural event happened. The angels struck the men of the city with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The angels told Lot to gather his family and get out of the city immediately. They were going to destroy the city because of its wickedness. They told Lot, flee for your lives, don't stop, and don't look back. So Lot, his wife, and his two daughters fled. By the way, Lot's son-in-laws had no desire to leave the city, so they stayed. And then the destruction of Sodom and the surrounding area began burning sulfur rained down from heaven, destroying the cities and all of the vegetation in the region. Sadly, Lot's wife stopped to look back at the destruction happening, and she became a pillar of salt. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife becoming a pillar of salt are the last intersections we find in the book of Genesis, at least of the supernatural spirit world stepping into the world of the Bible to carry out a supernatural event. So, the supernatural events we explored in this episode were the creation of the world and universe, Enoch, Noah, the Tower of Babel, and Abraham. In each event, someone from the spirit world showed up in the world of the Bible, and with each event, something supernatural happened. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that the Lord God showed up often in the world of the Bible and in a big way. He did it because He cared for and loved His creation and His people. Would you agree? Intersections. It's where the supernatural spirit world intersects with the world of the Bible to carry out a supernatural event. In our next episode, we will continue our journey through the book of Exodus where we will uncover more than two dozen instances where the people of God encountered the supernatural God of the Bible. If you want to learn more about angels or demons, search my Bible Threads podcast. There are several you might be interested in. And if you have any questions about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and God bless.